0: Welcome, good morning. Uh, If you're watching in Buffalo, I know you're in some house parties. Canada, you're definitely uh, watching alone. Um, But I have a confession to make. Um, Since I've been back uh, in lockdown, uh, I have been back on Instagram. I know, I've talked so many times about how Instagram is the worst for me, Uh, but I'm back on Instagram. Uh, And the truth of the matter is, I have a serious love-hate relationship with Instagram, right? Like, I love staying in touch with people. I love seeing what's happening in people's lives. I love being able to post, but mostly about my child and all the cute things that she does so that other people can see and live vicariously through me. Uh, But here's the deal. I hate Instagram for, you know, like, for example... You're, you're having this perfectly good day, right? Like you would consider your day to be an Instagram worthy day for you. And you are snapping pics of all the Instagram worthy moments only to look on Instagram and realize that your friend is having a better day than you. So you quickly swipe through and delete all of your Instagram perfect moments and have the thought, you know, my life sucks, right? Or, you know, you're so excited because you finally find this friend that you had in high school and you're so excited to reconnect with them only to quickly realize that they have done as you scroll back through their feed, you see that they have done in their life everything that you wish that you have done and to boot, they have the job that you wished that you had, And I can't tell you how many people I talk to about Instagram that people feel like, because they look at other people's lives, that it's too late for them to do anything great that they wanted to do. I can tell you something that I've learned through the years of my life is that the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Now, this is the thing for me, and I don't know about you, but... It's not really just what people have, you know, like, oh, this person has nicer clothes than me, you know. It's not even for me really where someone goes, you know, like this person is on their third vacation and the best trip that I took this year was to like Los Backyardos, you know, (laughs) right. That's not what I'm talking about because, you know, that's tough. But, but oftentimes, the, the, the part that I find myself so intensely comparing myself to is what people can do, right? Like, I, I start to look at what people can do, and, and that can really get me. Like, like, for an example, I am mechanically challenged, okay? And my good friend, Jason Fry, can basically fix literally anything. And he regularly, Jason out there watching right now, posts about all the stuff he's done to his trucks, his motorcycles, even to his house. And I mean, the best thing that I can fix is like a peanut butter sandwich, right? You know, or, or other people, right, who, like, like, here's the truth. You might not know this from looking at me, but I cannot dance, right? Like, I've seen better store mannequins dance than how well I can dance. Like, I just don't understand, like, how do you actually move your hips? Like, I just don't get it. And so I, I can't fix things. I can't dance. And, 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 and here's the part that makes it challenging, is that Danielle really appreciates people who can fix things, right? Like she regularly is like, well, why don't we do this? And I'm like, well, why don't you do it, right? <laughs> or, or she really appreciates people who can dance. Like she regularly like watches YouTube videos of people dancing and she's like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're just so good. And I can find myself as silly as it is feeling less than. Right? Like, Danielle will, you know, she'll call me over, and she'll be like, hey, look at this. You know, and it will be like, this husband, like, they built this chair and tables for their, do you think you could do it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's really nice, but, but like, can they preach? You know, like, I doubt it. I I bet you they could barely put two words together. Right? Or it's like, look at how well this guy can dance. And I'm like, yeah, he could dance, but look, look at how skinny his legs are. I bet you he could never squat 315. Right? And... And I find that the worst part about this for me is that I can't do what these people can do. And it leads me often times in my life, if I allow myself to go down this road to compare myself, to feel like it's just too late for me. You know, I'm too old, you know, I have too much happening in my life. I have a kid now, you know, I'd love to go back to school, but it's just too late for me. But I've realized something, and and, and really what we're going to talk about today is that the reason you cannot do what someone else can do is because you were not called to do their purpose. Let me say that again. The reason you cannot do, you might admire what other people can do, but the reason you cannot do what someone else can do is because you were not called to do their purpose, I believe God sent me here this morning to let you know it is never too late for you to accomplish the purpose that God has set out for your life. That we have to stop comparing the calling that we have against other peoples. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've given us today. You said this is the day that you have made and that we have a choice. And our choice this morning is to rejoice. We rejoice not because everything is going right or perfectly in the world, but we rejoice because we know that you turn all things out for our good, that you are the great redeemer. And in that, we celebrate. We also celebrate the bills, Lord. And we are so grateful. We ask that as they continue to move forward in the great destiny that you have for them, that their feet would be swift that they would rise up with wings as eagles, that they will walk and not faint. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All the Bills fans said amen. Right? I want to make a statement, and I want to encourage you online, if you're watching this right now, to write this down. You are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let me say this again. You have been... Perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Right? This is what we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the New Living Translation. It says this For we are God's masterpiece. Okay? We are his masterpiece. You were not accidentally created, you weren't created with all the spare parts. You weren't created with the leftover colors as God is painting the future of your life. You are God's masterpiece. It says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us. I'm his masterpiece, specifically created to do the things that God planned for me to do long ago. I want to tell you, long before you were born, God gifted you to be the very best you. I have news this morning. It doesn't matter how highly or lowly you think of yourself. You are the best you that this world has to offer, right? In fact, this word masterpiece that's used in this, for we are God's masterpiece, is a Greek word that I'm not gonna say, but it literally translated means poetry. That you have been perfectly written and crafted and every word and syllable and, and, and every bit of Pentax that has been like put into this is so perfectly created and masterfully orchestrated to be the very best you. That you are God's poetic statement to the world that's around you. And I want to say this to you online. Because maybe you watched the Bills game yesterday and you saw, I think it was number 58, Mike something. And you went on his Instagram and you saw that he has probably 22 inch biceps. And you're like, I don't got 22 inch bicep. I don't got 22 inch anything. I had to realize everything God creates, God creates for a purpose. Everything he creates, whether you like it, Right now, whether you compare it doesn't matter. Everything God creates, God creates on purpose, right? Like you see this on bumper stickers, right? That's like God don't make no junk, right? And, and and this is true, and it's a funny way of saying it, but oftentimes when we compare ourselves to others, we highlight other people's strengths and successes and highlight our own failures and insecurities. But I've realized this that everything God creates God creates on purpose. In fact, here's the deal. Your birth, the very fact that you are alive, the scripture tells us, is evidence that God that 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 God has chosen you and that your purpose is necessary to fulfill here on the earth, right? Isn't that what Esther says as she's talking about her life? That she has been chosen, that we have been chosen for this moment. You could look at other people and see maybe that you would say they are chosen or this person has so much to offer, but who am I? What can I possibly offer to the world around me? But the very fact that we have been born is evidence that the destiny and the purpose that God has placed in us is absolutely necessary. There's no substitute for you. There's no, you're not the second best version of something else or someone else. You are not just a clone or a carbon copy of somebody else. So you don't really matter. You're just, uh, 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 you know, the primordial soup kind of concocted everything and sort of threw you together. That's not the case. You are the only you and no one can ever fulfill the purpose that God has given to you. And here's some good news. You might sit here today in your house. You might sit here in this room or somewhere around the world and say, that's great, but you don't know how much I've done. You don't know how much time I've wasted. You don't know this or that or my name or I don't have a degree or I didn't finish college or I had a whatever can I tell you, there is no expiration date on the purpose that God has given you. It's never too late to be the person, the man, the woman that God has called you to be. Now, this all sounds really awesome, right? It sounds like, yes, I could do it. I'm great and I could be awesome. But, but here's the deal. It's very important to understand this. Because we are created by God and because we are created for God, for God's purpose, for God's glory, everything that we do, we have to do for God's glory, okay? Now, let me explain what this means. Oftentimes, and I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but oftentimes when I find something in my life that I'm good at, or even decent at. I start to, and I love to do this, add my own personal objectives and motives to that thing. I love to highlight my strengths and try to plan my own path based off the strengths that I see. But I've come to realize something. When my purpose is about me, I'm the one that has to fulfill it, okay? Because if I'm created by God and if I'm created for God, the objective of my life is to fulfill the purpose of God for me. My life is to be lived out to display his glory. But when I take what he's given me and I start to run off and do my own things, here's the challenge. I am now responsible to to, to determine the success or the failure of that thing. Or maybe we do it like this, because this is another thing that I love to do. I love to do things for the approval of others, right? I love, okay, like I love, 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 love a good pat on the back, right? Like, I mean, there really isn't much I wouldn't do, right? I'm like the dog who will like do anything just for like a little scratch behind the ear, right? And so here's the thing, I love to do things for the approval of others, but can I tell you something that I've realized? You're not going to get it, right? Isn't this true? Isn't it like, this is what I used to think, this thought, you know, man, if I could just drive a nicer car, everybody around me would think that guy is so important and he's so cool until I realize, when I see a young guy driving a nice car, do I like them? Mm-mm. I got to come up with a thousand reasons why they had something that I, oh, their dad bought it for them or all oh, this or all oh, that. Why? Because I'm never going to get the approval of others. Can I tell you, you're, you're not going to get what you think you're going to get by pleasing other people. And, and, and I regularly ask myself this question, like, who is them? Right? Like, who are they? Like, I'm doing it for them. You know, and it's like, who is them? And is them really worth contaminating your purpose? Why do I care so much about what people think about me? Why do I care so much about how things seem or whether people approve or they don't approve? Why do I care? Why do I compare myself? And I've I've realized something is that comparison is the enemy of calling, that when I compare, it's so challenging to do and achieve my own calling. And And I begin to think about this and why is this? Because here's the truth, we all compare, right? You might be sitting at home thinking you don't compare. You do compare. We all compare and we all do this. We all go on Instagram, we all wonder, you know, maybe you never say it to anybody, Maybe your Instagram is Pinterest or maybe your Instagram is some TV show. But when we compare, we we can't fulfill God's purpose for us when we're comparing our purpose to someone else's. Okay, let me say that again. You cannot fulfill your purpose when you are comparing your purpose to someone else's purpose. I've learned this in life. Someone else will always be a better them than I can be them. And if I compare myself, if success is being them, they are always going to beat me because they will always be a better them than I could ever be a them because their purpose is to be them and my purpose is to be me. So they've been uniquely gift and gifted and qualified to be them, not me. And I can't be them, I can only be me, and they can only be them. But how crazy is it though, when we start comparing, thinking that this is success, but I could never be their success. It always seems too late to accomplish someone else's purpose. And I mean, this isn't a new thing. This concept of comparing isn't new. In fact, like if you've ever, obviously you've read the scriptures, but sometimes we read the scriptures like very somberly, you know, and and the scripture is there, you know, for teaching, correction, instruction, it's there to build us up. But honestly, also the scripture is very funny and, and I think it's funny because human beings wrote the scripture. And so like every once in a while, you see people's like humanity kind of just like tucked into some of the scriptures, right? And this is what's happening in John chapter 20, okay? And, 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 and it, here's the thing. If you read the New Testament, mostly the gospels, you see that there really is an intense rivalry amongst the disciples, right? You ever notice that? And, and especially there's a rivalry in the life of John and Peter, okay? John and Peter, God bless you too, because you're funny. And, and here's the thing is that we see the two of them, I mean the disciples at large, we really get a glimpse into the two of their lives, that they are always comparing themselves to the other, Right? Like, you read scripture and be like, who's the greatest? And, and, and who's the best? And, and call me out. No, call me out. No, let me do this. And, and, and you see them be like, who's going to sit next to you? And it's like, it's definitely going to be me. And no, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me because of this. And it's like, it's this crazy reality of these guys comparing themselves. In. But, but i realized, like, obviously we all have to take sides. You know? Like, you're either like an Edward or a Jacob. Right? Twilight fans? Anybody? No? Okay. You gotta take sides. And I I honestly feel like I side with Peter a little bit more than I side with John. Because the truth is, is from what I read about John, from him writing Jesus's gospel accounts, I would not like John. Because truthfully, John is super annoying, okay? And let me explain to you why because here's John, and we're gonna read a passage from the book of John. Now remember, the author of the book of John was John. Okay? And when you read John, you read him writing a book that he wrote, but he writes about himself in third person, right? You ever notice that? That everybody else writes about like themselves in first person and John writes about himself in third person but it's the worst kind of third person because whenever he writes about himself, he refers to himself not as John or not as like the Apostle John. He refers to himself as the one who Jesus loves, right? And you'd be like, "Get out of here, man!" Okay. And, and here's the thing: we're gonna read this passage of scripture from John chapter 20, and um, you know we see that like this is this is a really big moment. In scriptures. Okay, so it's early Sunday morning, and you know, Mary has visited the tomb, and she goes there and she's looking around, and she realized Jesus is not there, and the tomb is empty, and, and there's this moment we say in scripture, like this holy pause. Where it's like all of a sudden the fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy have come to pass. And this is a huge moment in scripture. Like, like I would argue that this is the climactic moment of our holy text. That everything prior to this was leading to this moment and everything from this moment is pointing back to this moment of what is happening right now. This is the, this is the climactic uh, uh, moment of the fulfillment of a plan that God set in motion almost 5,000 years prior. Now notice this. This is a big moment, okay? Huge. Like we are about to find out that Jesus is actually the prophesied king. He is the Messiah. He rose himself from the dead and listen to how many times John tells you that he's faster than Peter in a foot race. Okay. This is true. This is true. Like the tomb is empty. Christ has risen, right? Prophecy has been fulfilled. And John is faster than Peter, right? Like it's true. Look at this. Okay. In, in, in John chapter 20, verse two, it says this. So she, she being Mary came running to Simon Peter. John must've been fast because he talks about like running and walking and speed a lot. So so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Okay, here we go. Ready? Time number one. Simon Peter, just, you know, the bum, Simon Peter, and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, right? Like you want to be like, get out of here, man. Okay? And said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put them. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Watch this, watch this. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Okay? Now that being in there once, you know, like whatever. Maybe there is some spiritual meaning to the fact that he was faster. Then we go on to verse 6, and it says this. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, right? So the other disciple who was long ahead and clearly better and faster, and went straight for the tomb and then and then verse then verse 8 says this finally the other disciple right you know you remember the other disciple the one who Jesus loved who had reached the tomb first also went inside Christ has risen and John is faster right like it's funny three times John says that he was faster and we're given this glimpse or this window into the reality that even the disciples were constantly comparing they were constantly competing you know like i could only imagine you know like mary's like guys the the tomb is empty you know and the disciples hear the tomb is empty and they're like she's still talking and they're like already walking because like they're trying to get ahead of him, right And it's a funny picture, but we see they're they're constantly asking and competing and, you know, who's better, who's faster, who's smarter, who's better, who's more anointed, who's done more great things. And I realized comparison kills calling. John compares himself to Peter, but what happens? Peter compares himself to John. And John is always a better John than Peter could ever be. And Peter is always a better Peter than John could ever be. But comparison kills calling because you can only be the best you. Now, maybe you don't care how fast you are. But we do the same things all the time. Right? Like, maybe for example, you know, there's a Pinterest mom that you follow you know? And it was like during COVID-19, like they were just the perfect parent, right? And they did all like the goodies and the crafts, and they don't care if their kids make a mess because it's creative Montessori stuff. And you're like, I can't even find my kids. Like we were playing hide and seek like 45 minutes ago, and I just stopped seeking and took a bath because like I don't even care anymore, right? Or... You know, maybe you're comparing your marriages and you know, you got those cute couples who like, we can't go anywhere, so let's dress up and do a date in the living room. And you're like, yeah, that's cute. I hate you. You know, but before we do dinner, let's do family devotions and let's take long walks around circles in the backyard, holding hand in hand because we love each other so much. And you're literally praying every day that you don't slit your husband's throat because (laughs) he is driving you crazy. Maybe it's that people have more followers than you. Maybe they have more influence. Maybe somebody's in better shape than you. Maybe they have more money. Maybe they have whatever. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. (laughs) It's funny how we all go through the same stuff, right? We're all like, you're right. I do want to kill my spells. That's crazy that you do too. Right? But we see this, right? We see the life of Peter. We see it again in Peter's life. as you know. We, we, just prior to this, uh, we, we all remember that Peter has this unfortunate moment where he denies Jesus, right? Three times Jesus is going through the sequence of the passion and Peter fulfills the prophecy that Jesus gives him and denies him three times. And after the resurrection, we know that one of the accounts says, go tell my disciples and Peter because at this point, Peter would have thought that he has disqualified himself, that too much has happened. I could never fulfill the purpose I have anymore. But Jesus singles him out and says, go tell my disciples and make sure just so everybody knows, I don't disqualify anybody. There's nothing you can do to cancel out your calling. And Jesus has this powerful encounter with Peter. And if you've read the passage of Scripture, it's, it, it's, you know, Jesus asks Peter three times, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says, Peter says, yes, I love you. And Jesus says, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. And then Jesus makes the statement, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of my people. It's letting him know that Peter, listen, I, I get that you've done stuff, but your calling is still intact. But then we see this. We see this nature inside of us to compare, right? We always want to be better, stronger, faster. And it says this in John chapter 21, verse 20. It says, Peter turned around and saw behind them, again, the disciple Jesus loved, right? This is still clearly John writing. And Peter asks Jesus, you know, he turns around and sees John. He he has this moment where he's been reinstated and his first response, John tells us, is to see behind him and look at John and ask Jesus, Jesus, what about him? You asked me to feed my sheep. What are you gonna ask him to do? Because I need to make sure that what you ask him to do isn't better than what you asked me to do. And Jesus has the most profound response. He says this, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Listen, Peter, if I want him to be the greatest man in all of the land, to defy the very existence of the way the world has been established, to forever be heralded as the greatest man to ever live, what is that to you? And he says this to him, as for you, This is our key. As for you, Peter, follow me. As for you, Peter, follow me. As for you, Peter, don't worry about John. Don't worry about what I'm gonna ask him to do. Don't worry about what he's doing. Don't don't worry about what he's going through. As for you, all you can do is focus on what I've asked you to do. Peter, feed my sheep. I came to tell somebody this morning, stop comparing your calling. Stop comparing what you were designed to accomplish. You can't fulfill someone else's purpose. You can't fulfill what God has asked someone else to do. When you compare your calling to someone else's, you kill your calling. Can I tell you, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else, right? Like right now, some people out there are killing their marriages, not because their marriages aren't great or they don't love each other, but they're killing their marriages because they're comparing it to somebody else's. Some people are losing their contentment, losing their joy, not because their life isn't good, but because they're comparing it to somebody's life who has something that they don't have, only to realize that that person is comparing their life to this person and upset. And it's like we all find ourselves in this place where we kill our calling because we compare it to somebody else instead of realizing we are perfectly created by God to fulfill God's purpose for our life. That everything we need to be the best us God has already placed it in us, given us everything we need to accomplish that thing. And that's what Hebrews 12, two says it like this. It says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Listen, we all have races. We all have things that God has asked us to do. But for me, the way that I persevere through the challenge as I run the race that's been marked for me. And I love this. We're instructed, how do we do this? How do I do it? Because is it true that I, don't, I know I shouldn't compare? Yeah, of course I do. Everybody knows that. You don't have to church go to church to know that you shouldn't compare your life to somebody else's. You don't have to be in relationship to, with Jesus to know that if I compare my life to Elon Musk's, I'm gonna be a little bummed at times. Everybody knows that. But here we're given an instruction. How? What do I focus on? If I can't focus on everything else or everyone else or what everybody else is doing, what do I focus on? And it says this in Hebrews twelve two: fix our eyes on Jesus. But well, because he's, he's letting us know, listen, I know you're gonna try and fix your eyes on Jesus. Other people, other callings, other situations. You're going to fix your eyes on what other people do better than you or how they have the things that you want to have. He's telling us listen, the way that you do this is you fix your eyes on Jesus. It goes on to tell you that he's the author, the perfecter, a translation says. This one says that he's the pioneer the perfecter of our faith. You see, I fix my eyes on Jesus because he is the prize. I'm not running to please people. I'm not running to try to have the best Instagram page, have the most followers. I'm not running to try to get the approval of men. No, I'm running because he is my can I tell you it's impossible to win someone else's race that's why we when we fix our eyes on Jesus what it does is it keeps me focused like like I could celebrate right like I learned this when I was running track in sixth grade it was the last year that I ever ran track because I realized like Peter I was not gifted in speed but I realized something in track is that the fastest way to lose the race is to start to look around. Isn't that true? You watch the Olympic runners and what is it? It's as if they are the only person on the track. They're fixed. Their attention is solid. You see, when you run your race, the objective is to stay in your own lane. You weren't, created to run someone else. You weren't gifted to run somebody else's race. Like, it doesn't matter how many days I'm bothered that Elon Musk is Elon Musk. Elon Musk was born to be Elon Musk. And Alex was born to be Alex. And Amy was born to be Amy. And Joy was born to be Joy. So what I do is I I stay in my lane. I fix my eyes on the prize. And the prize is Jesus. You know, sometimes I, I meet people and they're like, you know, Alex, like this is great, like, good message, bro. But like you don't struggle. You know, like I see your Instagram and you got a hot wife, and you got a cute kid, and you got a nice house, and you got all the stuff, and but I realized something. Yeah, it might look like that way to you. But you cannot outrun your own insecurities. So now what I've chosen to do is choosing that I just stop competing like I love what people do right like I love the fact that Elon Musk wants to take 10,000 nukes to Mars and blow them up I, I think that's so cool to be Elon Musk and, and I would love to do it like if somebody asked me like would you like to be the guy who's blowing up 10,000 nukes on Mars I would say absolutely yes but it's not my race. You know, this church, these people, this pastor, they're reaching so many people and their influence is intense and they're selling books and, and, and things and their seats are filled up and doing really cool stuff. It's not my calling. But in the exact same way that I cannot be them, they cannot be me. They cannot do what I'm called to do. They cannot reach who I'm called to reach. They cannot accomplish for the glory of Jesus what I have been born and destined to accomplish. And I've realized something, that big or small, I'm called to do something pretty great, right? Because it's like, like here's the deal. No one can do what I can do. Like no one can love. No one can love Danielle like I can love her. But no one's married to Danielle. No one else has the opportunity to lay down their life for her. No one can be the dad to my kid that I can be. No one can raise her, to know and experience and understand the love of God. No one else is called to stand in my position in this church to help build leaders inside of this team. And and I've realized that I'm running my race and that is all that I can do. It's never too late to run your race. It's never too late to live your purpose. It's never too late to fulfill your calling. You simply have to keep your eye on the prize. And for you watching online, it might be that, you know, you wanna build a business with integrity. You know, you're not worried about building the biggest business, but you wanna be known as a businessman, a man of integrity. That you're gonna build the right kind of business. That you're gonna build a different kind of a business. You're gonna build a business that honors and glorifies God. You know, or maybe you're, you're, you've decided that, this is what I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a godly dad. You know, I'm not gonna try to be the richest dad. I'm not trying to, you know, have the biggest house or, or, or have a house full of the best toys, but I'm going to be the best dad that I can be, and that I'm going to raise my children with a heart for God. That my kids are going to be known as people who love God well, that I'm going to be known as a person of generosity, maybe. I'm going to have the biggest income, maybe I don't write the biggest tithe checks, but I'm going to use what God has given me to do something great for the glory of God. Maybe it's that you're gonna be a faithful voice in your cell group. Maybe you're gonna be bold online to share your faith, that that you're gonna spread the love of God in a world that's so full of hate. Maybe you've decided that you're gonna raise your children and you're gonna create a house as a a place that honors God. Can I tell you something, mom, dad, friend, business owner? You are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. And that you are the only you that's been created to do the works that you can do here in this earth. That you are perfectly, masterfully, shapen and molded and created to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now, it's true. You cannot win every race. But you can win yours. I've learned success is not a goal. It's not some place that I get to in the future. It's not like when we can finally go back to life the way that it used to be. Instead, true success, success in my race, is being faithful to Jesus today, in this moment, wherever you are. So what, we stop comparing because the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else and realize that wherever you are, whatever cards life has dealt you, whatever your age is or your gender is or your skin color is, it's never too late to be who God made you to be. I wanna pray really quickly for anybody online in the room who feels like, you know what, this is me. Maybe you never want to tell anybody that this is how you feel. Maybe on the outside, you just, you're the perfect Pinterest mom. But on the inside, it's like you go to bed at night and just, you hate yourself. You think you're inadequate. You wish you were someone else. You wish you could do something else. You wish that life had dealt you a different hand. Maybe you feel like your life is so small now. Maybe you're that business owner who just is struggling. Maybe COVID really, you know, was hard for you on your business. Maybe your business closed. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. We can only be the best us. Father, we're asking this morning. Lord, that you would open up our eyes to see the beauty, the majesty, the wonder of who you have created me, us, to be. Not the people around us, not our siblings, not our cousins, not that Instagram person or that rich person, me. but we renounce every lie that we have adopted as our own that says that we're less than, that we're inferior, that we are insecure. And we choose to accept the truth. And the truth is, you tell us in Isaiah that you knew us before you created the foundations of the world and you knit us together stitch by stitch intentionally in our mother's womb. A piece of this and a little bit of that. Knowing the end of our days and what we would need and stitching everything we would need inside of us. So we choose today to not compare, to stop comparing because we know comparing is never gonna get us to our calling. And instead we choose to fix our attention on you, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Now I wanna pray really quickly because maybe you're on the stream and maybe you don't know Jesus, or maybe you know about him. Maybe you've heard about him, maybe you grew up in church And you were just, you'd say, you know what? Like, this sounds amazing and I want this, but I don't even know how to get there. I don't know how to restructure my life. I don't know how to stop doing what you're saying. And the scripture is very clear that when Jesus died on the cross, he created a way for us. And that all we have to do in order to be on his way, to have him be the attention or the focal point of our life, Romans tells us is to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the son of God the savior of the world sent to be the redemption the great redeemer of our sins so I'm going to invite you wherever you are if you're at home if you're in the building I'm going to ask that if that's you and you'd say I want this I don't necessarily know what it all means but I know there's something in my gut that's telling me this is what I need I'm going to invite you to repeat this very simple prayer after me say heavenly father I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God sent from heaven to be my savior. Jesus, I declare with my mouth that you are my savior and my Lord. I give you my sin and in its place, take your righteousness. I declare today that I'm saved I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. My calling is intact. And I will run my race because it's all about you. Lead me. Guide me. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.